The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Miller. In this episode, manage your energy and output. I mean, we are all paid ultimately for what we produce, right? To varying degrees. But with a full-time writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, writer, it's just incredibly tangible and acute. So renowned fiction author, Charles Martin, he was my guest in episode 829, and his livelihood is 100% connected to his thoughts, ideas, and creativity, and what he can get from his brain out of his fingers and typed onto his screen. Well, in this habits episode, we walk through how he manages himself, his time, and his energy to get the required output he needs from himself. He shares some health issues he's dealing with that have caused his energy and output to be less and how he's managing this to still stay on track with a really aggressive writing goal, including getting more of his books on the big movie screens. I think you relate a lot to the behind the scenes realities of life that Charles shares here. And you can again, find Charles books and movie ventures at charlesmartinbooks.com or just search for him anywhere you find uh, your own books. And I just cannot recommend his books enough. He has quickly become one of my family's most favored authors. I'm already disappointed at the thought that ultimately I'm going to read all his books and be left waiting for the next one. All right. So we're going to let you know what is happening on the latest episodes of my other podcast, share some products and services we think are relevant for you. Then we'll dive in with author Charles Martin and his habits. All right. Well, hopefully everybody listening to this show heard our first show together, Charles, and heard us end with you mentioning the reality of writer's block. Uh, I thought, man, what a great thing, because there's got to be talking about habits and routines. Let's start there. Writer's block. So the day you get up and you're not feeling it, creative juices aren't flowing. What do you do? One of the one of the bits of advice I got early on in this business was treat this like a job. If you, you know, if you were to clock in for somebody else, treat this like that and clock in and clock yourself out and, and spend the time in the chair. Also, don't wait on the muses. They're seldom on time. And usually what they have to say isn't any good anyway. So just be a storyteller and write stories. So sort of with that encouragement, I, I've always been really good at getting up early and I, I would find myself awake between three and four in the morning, maybe four and five or whatever. And I would get up, make some coffee, come sit down and I would write until we got the boys up and got them to school. And then I'd come sit back down and I'd write till about noon or two. And that was about kind of all my backside could handle. And then I would get up and I would go do something physical, be it get on my bike or go for a run or workout or whatever. And that would, that physical thing would let my brain kind of unwind all the knots I had put it in, in the previous four, six, eight hours of writing or whatever it is, you know, that, 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 that just became what I had to do to do what I do. I don't know. I don't know how other people write. I know some other writers and I feel, I feel like my discipline has been helpful, at least to me, because you know, I've met deadlines mm-hmm. and I've met hard deadlines and I've, that's been kind of a, you know, a thing in my career, my publishers count on me. If they can't count on me, then it's tough for them to, 
know when a book's coming out. So that's why I say I sweat my books more than I write them. And I'm in a better, I'm a better rewriter than I am writer. A lot of times if I can just get the words on the page where I can see them, it's kind of like clay. Mm -hmm. I can come back and, you know, I can come back and, and or oil on a canvas. I can come back and kind of touch up the canvas, but let me get an image out there. That that's just become my process. And I've, it's not uncommon for me to rewrite a scene 12 or 15 times. That doesn't mean I'll rewrite the whole thing, but I'll go through, like when I send my book to my editor, I've read it and I've read it out loud to myself several times. That's something I picked up from James Michener late in his life. He was 84, 85, had a massive heart attack. And following that, he wrote four more books. His books are four, four times the size of mine. His books were about 400,000 words a piece. And with every one of them, he and his assistant would read it out loud twice before they sent it to the publisher. Wow. And that just became, that's one of the most valuable tools I've ever learned because your ear picks up what your eye is so lazy to miss. And wow. so tell your son that when he's working yeah. on his writing. Yeah. I tell all my, I've told all my sons this in school. And I've, when I've been invited to speak on writing, the, the best advice I ever received was read it out loud to yourself because your ear will pick up what your eye misses. It's also another thing that I learned is that my books have a little bit of a cadence, not a little bit, they have a lot. And they sound like me. If I spend a lot of time reading other writers, their writing interferes with my cadence. So I'm careful to guard who I read or what audible I listen to and that person's cadence better match mine if I'm going to spend time listening to them. Daniel Silva, John Grisham, those are two guys who I feel like, obviously, they're, they're phenomenal writers, okay? But, but the way they put words together, their cadence is similar to mine. So it doesn't really mess with my head as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, so I'm curious, just you getting up in the morning and starting to write, is that your morning routine? Well, not, not so much now. I mean, I'm still sitting at my computer between 7.30 and 8. Um, and some, you know, I mean, there'll be mornings I'm sitting here at 5.30 and 6. But I've learned, how to, I've learned how to sit and write for four or five hours. And that, I've, I mean, I'm 50 now and there's only so much time that my neck can look at this. You know what I mean? And so... But having said that, there were a lot of mornings with this sequel that I just finished where I'm sitting here at 4.30 or 5, happy as a clam, because my, you know, my brain woke me up and the story was bubbling up. I don't, part of it too is that in the last year, I've dealt with fatigue. Like, like I've heard people talk about Epstein-Barr and mono and the fatigue that comes with that. And I've, I've wrestled, you know, I've wrestled with that. I, I've never known fatigue like you and I were talking a little bit ago about racing bikes and I've ridden some long distances and I've raced some long distances and I know, I know physical fatigue and what I've been wrestling with is fatigue that's deeper than that fatigue. So Hmm. not to tell you a sob story, but I've discovered my thyroid is um, (laughs) decided it's not working. Yeah. So sleep is sort of a precious thing. And I wake up in the mornings now sort of feeling like I've already run a marathon. So I'm, I'm in the middle of all kind of blood panels and, tests and you know all that stuff it's just not easy for me to get up at 4 30 right now but i will get up at seven get reeves to school be here at eight sit here till noon or two or whatever it is and so that's how i'm accomplishing 
kind of where I am. Yeah, no, I'm curious. Uh, I want people to hear because we, we have so many people on. I do these habit shows. You hear so much. A common thing that we hear is from the experts is, you know, exercise first thing gets the BDNF and the brain working and you don't do that and you've made it anyways. I, I, do, I do like people to hear the different things because it's finding your secret sauce and we all want to figure out what is the best thing to do. And it's just so individual. So I want people to hear that yours may not. Well, Go ahead. There are mornings when I'll, you know, I'll get on my rower, I'll get on my bike in the garage. I have this black bike of death thing, you know, the rogue thing that you see in all the CrossFit stuff. So I'll, there are mornings when I will do 15, 30, 45 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Just because I need time to let, but I also know that when I wake up, my brain is at its freshest and I need to like, I don't know, have you running a 400 meter dash there are two systems of energy that kick in. The first system of energy lasts for about 60 meters. The second system of energy lasts to the finish line. The first system of energy may or may not get spent depending upon how fast you take off out of the blocks. If you sprint 99%, you're going to burn that system of energy, and then you're going to click into the second, and you're going to finish with whatever's left in your tank. You may or may not spend the first though. And the writing for me in the morning is like that. My brain is fresh. If I don't spend what I have there in front of the computer, it's kind of gone by noon anyway, whether I've done anything or not. So I've just, it's the most efficient, effective way for me. You know, by the time I get to, it's five o'clock here in Jacksonville. By the time I get to here, I'm no good for writing. None. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand all my work is creative and I've realized that I have, uh, as a friend of mine said, a certain amount of creative calories in the day. And then after that, they're gone. I, I'll ask that. How, if you look at, if you look at it in that vernacular, you said about six hours, is that kind of your window of creativity? I feel like I can. Honestly, now it's probably less. Now, yeah. if I, I mean, given the last year, if I, if I work four to five hours now, and when I'm talking about working, I mean, I'm not surfing the internet. I'm not messing with email. I'm not messaging people. I mean, I am looking at a screen with my words on it and I'm working. If I get four to five hours, six on the outside, I've done something. Yeah. Uh, sleep. You talked about wake up times being different. What's your sleep schedule? How, how much do you sleep? What's your routine? Going to bed, out of bed, anything specific? I used to sleep less. Um, but I'm a early to bed person. Christy says next time she gets married, she's going to like interview the person. Like what time do you like to go to sleep? Yeah. Because she's the reader in our family and she'll stay up till midnight. I'm by nine 30 or 10, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. So I'll, you know, I'm by 10 30 at night. If I'm not asleep, something else has been required of me Yeah, because I, I'm spent. And then, you know, my eyes will sort of crack open at six or six thirty, sometimes five thirty now, whatever. Um, if I've had a long day the day before, I, I sort of feel like where I am now trying to figure out my own what I'm capable of. If I work if I do something really hard, be it creatively or physically, 
I almost feel sometimes like I'm drawing out of the, like I'm, I'm doing it on credit. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it out of the next day or something. So I may end up paying if I have a really hard day today, creatively, I may pay for it tomorrow and I may work 30 minutes because that's what I have creatively. It hasn't always been that way, but that's where I am now. Yeah. You, it's interesting. Uh, I've, you know, just in researching you that you're, you're an outdoors guy and, uh, well, tell me about that. Tell me that. Cause it's interesting as I see your characters in your books too, that they usually emulate some of that, uh, similarity, but yeah. Tell me about the exercise athletic outdoor pursuits. I grew up uh, on the St. John's River here in Jacksonville. I had what I like to call a real Huck Finn childhood. I mean, we just, we were always outside, always on the river, always fishing. You know, my dad took me hunting at four or five years old. I've done that my entire life. I'm a pretty passionate bow hunter. I've only, bow, I've, I've only, as in that's the only thing I've hunted with now for 12 or 13 years. I'm, that's probably my outdoor, of all the things I love doing outside, bow hunting is up there. Um, I love getting on my son's skiff. We'll go, you know, backwater fishing, um, snooker, redfish or whatever. He is far more the fly fisherman than I, but I do love that. It kind of, some, I'm better at throwing a spinning rod sometimes, but I love being with him and doing that. I love being out in your neck of the woods and climbing mountains. And I especially love getting on my bike in the summer out in Colorado and riding those hills out there that Christy thinks I'm crazy, but I love going up and down mountains and to be honest, I love going up them maybe more than coming down because coming down is really fast and it's usually cold. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. I know. Uh, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy going up. But just from a day to day, do you have – oh, you talked about you got some CrossFit stuff. Do you have a daily uh, consistency? I think my, my garage is, you know, part storage for our yard stuff and then it's part, you know, workout room. and and But, I'll you know, as much as I can – I will get out on my bike. I don't run as much as I used to just because it hurts too much. Um, but I, I mean, I do love getting lost on my bike for an hour, an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. Um, it's, it, it is, I don't know how people live without doing that. If you want me to be honest, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how folks don't exercise to me. I would go, I would lose my ever loving mind. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I've just done it for so long that it's like breathing. I don't, you know, it's part of my day. I just, well, I'm going to go work out now for a while. And so, yeah, I, it helps my, it helps my brain as much as anything, because I can, I can certainly tie my brain in some knots. And if I spin my legs for a while, it, it helps my brain. I think anybody who's done it that long feels that way. Well, my, my 15 year cycling career got interrupted when we had a kiddo and I spent two years sedentary, only two years of my life until my wife conspired with a local bike shop guy, got me a bike. She said, honey, please go train. You're just a better person when you're yeah. training. Yeah. Interesting. So how about the nutritional side of life? What's happening there? A couple of years ago, I began wrestling with like the afternoon, like if I ate anything carb driven lunchtime, I'm crashing bad yeah. after that. And so my afternoon is gone. And so I began looking at this whole keto paleo thing and intermittent fasting. And if I'm, if I had my druthers and I 
did what I wanted to do. And I'm not, you know, I don't always do that because I'm we're fixing food for family and they may or may not like what I like to eat, but I would, I think intermittent fasting is a really good idea. I wouldn't eat until about noon or one o'clock. Um, and then I would sort of cut that window off at about six or seven o'clock at night. And that would, that's just sort of my rhythm. I'm not a real pure keto person because I, I guess you could say I'm more dirty keto. If that's a, <laughs> I haven't heard that. I like it though. But it, it's like, I think it would mean you tend more towards animal fats and not enough plant driven okay. produced fats. Okay. So, okay, whatever. But I have to be careful about too much carbs and I love pasta and bread, just like everybody else. I'm not a big candy person. I don't, I don't do sodas. I don't, I'm not a big sugar person, um, except when it comes to pasta. So I have to sort of, I mean, I can eat that at night cause then I'll just go sleep, but I have to be careful what I do during the day because my diet greatly affects my ability to sit in this chair. Cause I mean, I can, like if I eat a bunch of, I haven't had pancakes in the, in the morning for 20 years yeah. because if I eat them, I'm going to go take a three hour coma nap from the carb dump. Yeah. It's just the way I work. So I don't eat them. I, that's, I, that's my favorite thing about intermittent fasting. I don't eat generally in the mornings because yeah, I, I that afternoon crash, I, I loathe it. I loathe it. I mean, I'm good for nothing. I can hardly deal with emails at that point. I might as well just not be working and <laughs> that needs to happen. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and My Habits episode with Charles Martin. Next, I ask him about his relationship habits, and we get into some deep issues on parenting. Uh, here are some products and services I think will be relevant for you, then we'll get right back with Charles Martin. Relationally, and we talked in the first show together about the review slash testimony that your son Charlie gave on your latest book. And I don't know if anything could say more about who you are than that, but you sound like you have a vibrant relationship with your family. Tell me what you do to foster that. Well, I guess to start with, I love them a whole lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just love, I married my best friend. I, I still, I, I mean, we're just two kids in love. We've been married 27 years, but I still love going for walks with my wife. I, you know, going for a ride, you know, spending time with her, drinking, I'll bring her coffee in the morning. We, we call it knee time where we're sitting close enough for our knees to touch. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I love being with her. I, there's not really anybody else I'd rather be with more. So we, I just love, I love being with Christy. Um, our boys are, I mean, I know you got kids, but my boys are the three greatest kids on planet earth. And I love, I love hanging out with them, especially now that they're older because yeah, so what, many are, what are the ages? 23, 20 and 17, almost 18. So um, we were able to do a lot. They're, they're, they're passing from the me being father, then being, then being son to us being, more friends that doesn't that doesn't mean i'm not their father but i mean there's a thing that happens like organically where you you have this friendship that sort of develops which has been really cool to see i just 
I love it. I mean, you know, I'm now Christy and I do spend a lot of time praying for our boys because, you know, the world hates them and they do have an enemy that prowls around like a roaring lion and he really does want to rip their head off. So we, we pray for them a lot. And I don't, you know, I spend time. I, somebody told me a long time ago, they said, your kids will spell love T I M E. Yeah. And that's been my experience. I want to talk about that real quick, how you've done that. I mean, that for anybody, you know, you or anybody, but you know, we've got careers, we've got things that are, that are happening. It's easy to say that we are stressed with time. How have you habitually invested time in your boys? Well, I'm fortunate in that I do work for myself. I do control my schedule. Part of the reason I control my schedule and I get up early and work is because about three or four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm done working. And that allows me, like I've gone to most all of my boys' practices if they had a practice, be it football, cross country, taekwondo, whatever. Um, I've been able to do that with them. And that's, it wasn't a it wasn't an obligation. I, I genuinely wanted to go watch and hang out. And so that's just kind of been a, a blessing of my life as a writer, but that doesn't happen if I don't get up and put the time in in the morning. Cause I'm not going to go to their practice. If I've still got words to write, I just, I won't be present. Yeah. The only way I can really be present is if I've done kind of the work that needed to get done in the first place. There was a, like, you know, when our boys are little, I, like all all boys play baseball. So like my boys are outside playing baseball and I thought, okay, well, we're going to go down to the local rec club and they all signed up. And the next thing I know I'm coaching baseball and I coached their, all their baseball teams for about I don't know, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day I, I'm trying to get everybody in my truck with all their gloves and cleats and bats and hats and helmets and all of the stuff that goes with it. And I'm fighting them to get in the truck we finally get in the truck and we're driving down the road to practice. And I look in the rearview mirror and not all three of them are sitting back there and nobody's smiling and nobody's happy and nobody wants to go to that practice. And it struck me, I'm driving this train because it was once a good idea, but it's not a good idea now. And they're miserable. And so I, I just sort of slowed down. I said, guys, do y'all want to do something else? And it wasn't an ugly, I wasn't doing, I wasn't poking them in the chest. It was a genuine, and they all nodded. And I said, well, okay, if you didn't play baseball and you don't have to play baseball, like, you know, okay, it's all right if you're not Chipper Jones, what do you, what would you want to do? And at the moment, at the time we were driving by a place about a mile from our home and it was a, it was a martial arts studio and the two of them pointed and said, we want to do that. The next day I walked in and met this guy, Jason Watson, who owned this Taekwondo school, signed up my boys. And because they were going to do it, I thought I'll just do it with them. So for the next four or five years, we took Taekwondo and all got our black belts. And I mean, it was just something that we did. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what other people do, but like, that's what my boys wanted to do. And it seemed like a good idea. So that's what we did. It's awesome. Spiritual. The disciplines there. I love the term spiritual disciplines myself. Tell me about the spiritual routines. That actually doesn't sound good. Spiritual routine. You get my point. The consistent things that you do for your spiritual walk. 
I love, um, I think it's Eugene Peterson's phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. And, and that is, look, if you knew me and you knew my thoughts, you would know that I am not some great man of faith. Do I love the Lord? Absolutely. Am I surrendered to his dominion and lordship over my life? Yes, absolutely. And I'm also a black and black wicked, wicked sinner. I mean, I just, I, I am, I mean, I'm, I'm redeemed, but I'm still, I still need him. I like a lot. So I spend time in his word. The King David said, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Jesus said, man can't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the father. It's probably a good idea that I spend some time. And, 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 and it's not this obligation thing. I don't, I don't show up and grab this, grab this thing off my shelf and go, okay, well, I got to put 30 minutes in today so I can, you know, be, it's not, I just, I like Jeremiah. I love his word and I, I get to know him and I, so my boys have seen that and they've walked in this office a thousand times and seen me reading or coming in the morning and found me with my coffee. And, and then I've prayed with my boys 10,000 times, very few times in this house. Have they ever gone to sleep? Even today, now that they're older with us, not having prayed somewhere before one of us goes to bed, just that's my role as priest of my house. When they were younger, I felt like, man, I, I feel like I'm sending them off to school. And to be honest, I really don't know what they're learning at school. I mean, I know what classes they're taking, but that doesn't mean I know what they're learning. And I got to figure out a way to get this word into them because I believe it's, <laughs> it's life to those who find it and health to one's whole flesh. I mean, that's what the Psalm, that's what the Proverbs say. That's what Solomon says. It's so I would sit down at breakfast, like we'd fix some breakfast and I'd sit down and I would read them. I, I would, I've just, I've kept this long list of scriptures that I wanted to memorize or know. And so in the mornings we would kind of play this game where I would start a scripture. I would read it and start it and they would finish it or they would fill in the words. Did they always like that? No. Were there mornings when they would show up having, you know, being tired and I'm here's dad doing this thing with, you know, and they weren't too sure. Yes. But today when my oldest two come home and I'm sitting at the table with Reeves, the youngest, and I do that, the other two will show up and sit down and it'll become this game where they're trying to finish the sentence before Reeves. And they, they know it. And the word has been buried in their hearts. And the reason I do that is not because they're punching some box or, some obligation, but because they really do have an enemy. Like they woke up in a world at war and they're at war with something that hates them. And they're going to come some tough times in their life. What are they going to lean on? If they don't know the Lord and they don't know his word, they're going to gravitate toward a whole lot of other stuff that will not satisfy and it will not bring life and it will enslave them. So if I can pour this word into their hearts now in such a way that it's like, I mean, Jesus said from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I can pour it in there, when things get difficult, and this has been true in my life, it will become the thing that they, I believe the Holy Spirit will bring it to mind and it'll begin echoing in their minds. And I found that to be true. I found that to be true with Christy and I, and I found that to be true with them. It's like, it's what we have. It's just convicting, Charles. Thank you. Um, I got one more for you I want to know about. I know a little bit. You talked a little bit about it. Just the personal side. 
and I run through four terms, whichever one hits you. Self-care, fun, play, hobbies. What falls, what falls in when, in any of those? Well, I would go back a lot to, like, I really do lo- love working out. I am not the athlete I once was, but I love, I do, I do love it. Like when you talk about self-care, I really genuinely don't know how people make it to 50 and not, not do something. Every, I mean, it's just me. I'm not judging folks. I'm just telling you, I don't know how would, I would not be here 20 novels or 20 books down the road in a 22 year writing career. If I didn't do that, um, that is both self-care and hobby for me when it comes to about September 15th, which we're getting close to hunting season kicks in and that runs through February ish, depending upon where you hunt. And that's, you know, I'm pretty passionate about that. And I'll, it's also, look, that's where my dad and I, spent time. That's where he poured into me. That's where we would sit on the back of the truck and eat Vienna sausages and sardines and crackers and, you know, moon pies and hang out and talk and laugh. And to this day that I hope the same for my boys, I like, we'll, we'll Reeves and I'll get out of here and we're going next weekend and we'll hang out and cut up. And it's just, it's just tender time with my boys. I also really love sitting in the woods. Like, I really love being quiet. I love not having this thing with me and taking my bow and going and sitting in a tree and just listening to the woods, either wake up or sort of tune down. And so I think in the, if I'm honest and if Christy were sitting here in the last 10 years of my life, my career has required a lot of me. The last two years I've written four books I haven't allowed myself as much of the life-giving things or the the things that fill up my well as much as I have spent time drawing from my well. Hmm. If she were sitting here, she would say the next year has got to look like Charles has got to figure out a way to fill up as well because you, you can't draw from an empty well. And I've... I've, I've worked as least as hard as I know how I've worked really hard. And I think we're seeing it kind of in my physical person to some extent. So she and I are now talking about, okay, what's the, how, in, in the next year, how do we, how do you do what you're called to do and be the writer that you are the dad, but you got to figure out some way to pour back in or let the seep well seep or let the spring bubble up or whatever. I can't, I can't continue on this pace. And so that's for, that's my question kind of for me is how do I, how do I allow myself to be a little bit selfish or a little bit more selfish with my time or my sleep or my, whatever I do, like, that's the question in front of me. Yeah. That not being able to draw from an empty well, that is uh, a lot of listeners will hear that and know that that's a mantra of my other podcast, the true life podcast, where we focus on just that. How do we, it's not a health and wellness focus so much as an, an, an end, uh, means to an end of okay. being able to get out of us what we want. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the um, behind the scenes, for the humility, and just for sharing as rich, as really rich. 
Um, Look, I've, I've loved it and I'm grateful for the invite. So thanks for spending some time with me. Absolutely. Well, folks, if you want to experience great, great storytelling, go to charlesmartinbooks.com and see what all he has for you. Or again, just type Charles Martin in wherever you get books. Coming up in episode 832, asking for the sale. You attempt, we all do, to sell ourselves every single day to our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our employees, our boss, our investors, and for some of you, to an actual customer. And what is your process? When do you actually ask for the sale or do you? So I'm going to play a four minute clip from Zig Ziglar in this upcoming episode that is pure sales training. And of course, I asked the Ziglar audience a question, how or when do you ask people to buy your product or service? Or you could say your idea as well. And I got a lot of responses, of course. Tom Ziegler and I definitely talk business and professional selling here, but we also make this personal. I mean, selling is caring. Selling is influencing. Selling is sometimes trying to convince somebody of something, like your kids maybe. And selling is a skill just as much as making somebody feel truly loved is a skill. Well, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <music> 